Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Down the block, Andrew Gunn. Inside for Elba. Elba will score. Elba will score. Newcastle and won. G'day guys, welcome back to the Rugby League Guru Podcast. We're going to do our deep review of all the games from round four. A cracking round of footy, it was unreal. We're going to kick off with the Thursday and Friday night games first. So three games there. The first one was, of course, the Parramatta Eels knocking over the Penrith Panthers in an absolute thriller. Plenty to talk about in that clash there. The Friday night games rolled around. We had the Melbourne Storm going head-to-head with the West Tigers. The Storm getting the bickies there. And then the late game, the Brisbane Derby, the Battle of Brisbane, the Brisbane Broncos up against the Dolphins. Uh, I know a lot of people got very upset with the advertising during the week, so only can get never compare to the Rabbitohs and the Roosters, and I get that. Appreciate that, but fuck, this rivalry looks like it is going to be something pretty special, and it is something that I am very, very excited about. So, plenty to touch on this week, uh, especially the Thursday and Friday games. We get stuck into those now. The Parramatta Eels knocked over the Penrith Panthers, seventeen to sixteen. The Parramatta Eels obviously having this incredibly tough draw where they have to play three teams in a row off buys. Uh, they're one on one against teams off buys, so pretty fucking impressive. Dusted by Manly last week, got up and beat the Penrith Panthers this week. Very, very impressive by Parramatta. I uh, I didn't expect them to win this one. It didn't shock me when they were in the contest. Uh, but when Nathan Cleary hit the field goal, when Junior Paulo uh, had the high tackle, I just thought, that's it. They're done. They won't be able to come back from this. And I'm pretty confident in saying that the Parramatta Eels from two or three years ago, there would have been no hope in hell they would have managed to recover from that. Uh, so congratulations to you, Parramatta Eels fans. A sensational knock to get back into that game and win it. A couple of things in that game. Obviously, Zach Hosking for the Penrith Panthers. He was tremendous. A big score in Supercoach as well, 117. As you guys know, we've been talking about him for quite some time, saying that we think he has to be on the left edge for the Penrith Panthers. It might end up that he goes to the right edge now, and maybe you see Liam Martin shift to the left. Obviously, Luke Garner, he was hooked in this game, which didn't overly surprise me. I've I've sort of been saying that I think he's on borrowed time for a while. I thought that he improved a lot in round two, uh, but I've always thought that Zach Hosking was the guy for this spot, hence why we've held him in Supercoach draft for so long. Uh, So really excited to see him get an opportunity and do really well. Um, Just getting his stats up because they were very, very impressive. Obviously scored a really crucial try running a great line off Nathan Cleary. You could straight away see the faith that Nathan Cleary has in this guy. Um, He's a tremendous footballer, uh, Zach Hosking, and one that I think Brisbane are going to regret letting go of because I think he can turn into a genuine star at the Panthers. Just getting to his stats now. So he played 
the full uh, 83 minutes. He scored a try, obviously. He uh, had 12 runs for 109 metres. He had one line break. Um, he had, what's that, five tackle breaks. Uh, but here's the, here's the shocking one. Obviously, he had two offloads, which was great as well, but he made 54 tackles with zero missed tackles. Pretty fucking impressive. Uh, I personally think this guy has to be in the team moving forward. And from what I've gathered from everyone at Penrith that I get uh, a bit of word from and whatnot, it looks like he will be in the side moving forward, whether that's on the left edge or it could potentially be on the right. And, and this will sound crazy to people, but it wouldn't shock me if they moved Liam Martin to the other side. I think defensively that left side's a little bit out of whack at the moment. We saw a couple of weeks ago when they took Luke Garner from the field early, they put Jamin Salmon on the right, Liam Martin on the left. I think Liam Martin will do whatever you know, Ivan Cleary thinks is best for the team. And then if that happens to be uh, putting him on the left, I can see it happening. I really can. I think Luke Garner is going to miss out on the side this, if not this week, the week after. I, I think he's on real borrowed time there. And I genuinely think there's a world where Nathan Cleary goes to Ivan and says, I want, uh, I want Hosking on my side. I think he's better suited to having him there. So really, really interesting times at the Penrith Panthers and how that all plays out. Um, now, I'll talk about the Penrith Panthers and their back five. Uh, one guy in, in particular, Taruva. And look, I, I want to compliment him on this game. 319 run meters. That is simply incredible from from 27 runs. Unbelievable. But uh, you can put this down to the kicking game of Mitch Moses. Now, I hear quite often when, you know, myself or Kempi, we talk about when a guy kicks for 900 meters. You go, wow, 900 meters, what a knock. And people go, so what? doesn't matter. It doesn't mean anything. This is a classic example of when it does matter, and I'll explain to you why so you can have an understanding of it. So the guy that comes out of his own end better than anyone in our game is Brian Toto, yeah? He ran for 240 metres off 23 runs, which is sensational. Taruva ran for 319 off 27 runs, yeah? So he had about four more runs than Brian Toto. What I want you to keep in mind, though, of Brian Toto's 240 run metres... Only 23 of them were kick return meters. Off Taruva's 319 run meters, 176 were kick return meters. What does that mean? It means that the Parramatta Eels came into this game, we spoke about it grand final week last week, with a plan. We do not let Brian Toto return the football off kicks. We kick it to Taruva each and every single time time. Now, does that take Brian Toto out of the game? Not by any means. But what it means is that when you do eventually get the Brian Toto run, it's on second or third tackle and your defense is set and you're ready for him. If you're kicking to him and he's allowed to return to a broken line or whatever, or you kick to Dylan Edwards and he gets to take um, that next carry, your line's still broken, you're still getting set. Very, very smart by Mitch Moses and the Parramatta Eels. We spoke about it on, in grand final week last year, about how, how we would deal with this situation. I was very surprised to see not many teams do it, and I really do think they laid uh, the blueprint here. And just to show you the example off the back of that, so when you're kicking to Taruva, right, he takes the first hit up. Who's going to be the two guys that are closest to him? The first one is going to be Dylan Edwards because he's a fullback. He's the next closest guy. He will tend to take a scoot after that. The next one is his center, Isaac Tunga. He's obviously going to be closer to that next play, the than what Brian Toto is, who's over on the other sideline. Now, have a look at Isaac Tungo and the amount of metres that he ran for, 198. So he ran for 200 metres, yeah, off 19 hit-ups, which is really good, fantastic. Compare it to Stephen Crichton. He had five hit-ups for 67 metres. You think about if you're kicking to Taruva all day, it makes it near impossible for Stephen Crichton to be taking hit-ups out of his own end. By the time he jogs back and he's back with the team, we're already up to tackle two. 
and he's at right centre, so he's got to hold his width there. So a really good example of, you know, when, when we say a guy kicked for X amount of metres and that's impressive, and people say it doesn't matter, it doesn't that doesn't mean anything. It means something in this game. And all you have to do is look at kick return metres. Dylan Edwards, 69. Taruva, 176. Brian Toto, 23. And shout out to Brian Toto. He went 23 hit-ups for 240 run metres of the shittest carries you could possibly fucking imagine coming out of his own end on second and third when by that time you're into the centre of the field, you're running at your big middle forwards and they're getting up for your hit-up because they've got two tackles to prepare for it. So a great example there of a brilliant game plan laid out by Brad Arthur and Mitch Moses, not only laying out the game plan but sticking to it and absolutely nailing it. Sensational stuff. You love to see it. Uh, Taruva. 176 kick return metres is unbelievable. Keep in mind, didn't have a line break in all that at any point. It's not like he broke tackles or whatever. Uh, also keep in mind that Taruva had 54 post-contact metres. Brian Tyre had 82, despite them putting him in the shittest spots possible consistently. Isaac Tungo had 61 as well. So shout out to their back five. But more importantly, shout out to Mitch Moses and how he managed to keep to that game plan and really keep Penrith struggling to come out of their own end. On Mitch Moses... I thought his kicking game throughout was sensational. I've explained to you why the long kicking game is important. If you still can't, if you still don't get it, I, I can't help you. I don't know how else to fucking explain it to you. If you get footy, you'll understand why it was important in that game. I thought his short kicking game was tremendous. I thought his defense was fantastic. And as I said, I just don't think a Moses or a Parramatta Eels from two or three years ago win that game of football. I really don't. For Nath to do what he did, and we'll talk about that in a minute, uh, and for them to have all the momentum running home, Penrith for Junior Polo to be sent from the field, and then for Moses to be able to stand up and do that, fucking incredible stuff. So shout out to Mitchie. Uh, it's been a tough week for him in the media, copping it left, right, and center. But gee whiz, didn't he stand and deliver in this game? So shout out to him. Let's talk about Nate's field goal. Uh, one of the best field goals I think I've ever seen. Uh, when you consider the moment and what he had to do and where he had to do it from, Fucking incredible. Take it back to even the play before with Junior Paula. He gets sent from the field. Nace got a kick for touch, yeah. And, you know, I, I was sitting there with Tim. Shout out to the Union Jack Hotel in Cairns where we were watching. We had a couple of dribblers with us having a few beers. It was a really good evening. Watching this game, absolutely losing our minds. But he had the penalty. He kicked for touch and... You know, he had to kick for touch in a pretty precise point. He had to kick for touch as close to about the 35-meter line as he possibly could. You don't want to go too far, but you can't afford to go too short. He absolutely nailed it. He, he found touch on about the 37-meter mark. So that's the first kick that was fucking perfect, and it had to be perfect. What it meant is that the guy to tap the ball, which I believe was Critter, got to tap it about the 37-meter, throw it back to Nate so he could be right on the 40-meter line to take that shot. But... Keep in mind, because it was a penalty and because he had to kick for touch, he's taken that from the tram line. So, yes, it's like a 42-meter kick, but it probably extends out to about a 50-meter kick because he's on the angle. He wasn't directly in front of the stick. So, for him to strike it the way he did, simply incredible. I know a lot of people wanted to take the piss out of the ice in, in, in the vein sort of thing last week, and because it's Nathan Cleary and he's super successful at a young age, uh, everyone wants to pull him down at any opportunity they can. But if you don't respect what he did the other night in that moment, you're an idiot respectfully, you're an idiot. Uh, simply fucking incredible what Nath is able to do uh, at the age he's at. F fucking unbelievable. Um, yeah, look, you had absolute carnage towards the back end of the game, obviously, uh, with Junior Polo being sent. Mitch Kenny then got sent. I... Uh, I thought Mitch Kenny's was a bit of a square up, to be honest with you. I don't know about that one. I thought Junior's was pretty bad. I think he's looking at a two-week suspension, which is going to really hurt Parramatta. Um, they're already, you know, not really utilising... 
their middles as they are to lose him. This is really going to test them. And I think that, you know, you saw Ryan Madison sort of started on the edge, shifted to, to, to the middle throughout the game. He's going to need to play through the middle next week, in my opinion. I, th- I think he should be there anyway. But I think definitely off the back of this, he will need to be. Uh, Brian, uh, Bryce Cartwright's got a nice little meaty off a kick. Very nice stuff. Um, mate, I thought that Hands, the debutant for the Parramatta Eels, I think he's 23, 24, a little bit older than your average bear. Brendan Hands played 34 minutes, um, scored a nice try, did some really good things. Um, I personally think he has to be in the side every week, and I would start him at nine. I really would, and that's not that's not taking anything away from Josh Hodgson. I would start Hands at nine for the first 25, maybe 30 minutes, and then in a heartbeat, I would be bringing on Josh Hodgson, and you know we've spoken about it. I, 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 Josh Hodgson can play eighty. He's shown that. But is it in the best interest of the Parramatta Eels for him to play eighty? I'm not convinced that it is. So I would personally play hands. I would start him at nine. Then I bring Josh Hodgson on. Even if you just play Hodgson for 50, 60 minutes, it's still a lot of minutes, but it's not the full 80. And he misses out on that first 20 minutes where it is bash and barge and it's fucking brutal. You look at what the Panthers did last year with Appy and Mitch Kenny. I'd be going for a very similar approach. From what I saw the other night, hands very good in defense. I was very impressed. 27 tackles, zero missed. Thought he did a couple of nice things with the ball. And I just think you get a fresh... Josh Hodgson coming on after about 25 minutes when it's all settled down a little bit. I think it can be really, really successful for the Parramatta Eels. So, shout out to him. I thought Matto in his first game back played the full 83 minutes. Very impressive. 12 runs, 146 metres, um, 58 tackles with only two missed. Very impressive. Jermaine Hopkill with another big game. Missed five tackles, made 53 though. Uh, had a couple of offloads in there, three offloads. Fair whack of runs, 17 runs for 165 metres, working his dick off once again, Jermaine Hopgood. Shout out to Scotty Bellotti, who put up the post in the Punters and Dribbles page the other day that was some of the greatest content I have ever seen. Unreal there, top shelf shit. But yeah, congratulations to the Parramatta Eels, getting the job done in that one. Really entertaining game, thoroughly enjoyed it. And hopefully the Parramatta Eels, they can get up again next week, taking on the Manly Seagulls coming off a bye. They'll be really prepped and ready for that one. Without Junior, it is going to be a huge test for them. Not sure who the Panthers play next week. I want to say Panthers play Canberra, uh, but that's heavily talking off the dome. Just getting the draw up now to have a look. Yeah, Panthers play Canberra. Oh, in Canberra, GIO Stadium, 6 p.m. Friday. It's going to be a big, big test for them down there, the Panthers, who, you know what, granted, they're losing games, but... Fuck, they're not playing poorly, and their defense is still hanging in there, yeah? So a couple of tries off kicks and whatnot for Parramatta. Um, you know, a, f- a fair few penalty goals as well. Two penalty goals. They, they, they only conceded um, two tries there. So, yeah, I'm not too concerned about Penrith, guys. I think they will be okay. I think the other thing as well, and I don't want to harp on about it because I've, I've talked about it before, and, and, and people get a little bit shitty. Sonny Luke not being available, getting a HIA. I thought this ter- that, that moment turned this game on its head. I, I thought he was going to come on and really dominate, and I think that in the first few touches he had, you could tell that Sonny Luke was on and he was going to cause some havoc, but that's how rugby league goes. You can't always keep everyone on the field who's only on there for three minutes, had three runs for 24 metres, was looking very, very good, Sonny Luke. Uh, So, yeah, very disappointing there, but once they can get him on the field, and I personally think if he was on the field, they'd probably win this one. That might be unfair on Parramatta, and I'm completely happy to wear that if so. But I reckon if Sonny Luke stays on the field, he could have really turned this game on its head. But 
Parramatta, shit happens. They've had shit go against them, even with the draw. Penrith's coming off a bye. There's no real excuses there. Parramatta found a way to win. So congratulations to them. Enjoy the W. And I'm really looking forward to arch rivals Parramatta and Manly going head-to-head next week. Friday Arvo. Uh, we were lucky enough to have Matty the Waterboy join us uh, on Friday and Kempi as well. We had the live show on this night, so we got to watch the start of this game. Then at about halftime, we had to start our live show, so I had to go back and watch it later. So just pointing, I couldn't watch the whole thing live and whatnot, but uh, yeah, got to watch it later, got the gist of this game. Um, look, pro- I probably won't go into as much detail in this one as what we did in the previous game. Uh, look, Melbourne... <sighs> They're not impressive. Let's be fucking honest here. They're not impressive. Uh, they're not playing overly well. They found a way to win this one, which was good. They won pretty ugly. Um, you know, Cam Munster obviously stood up in a pretty big moment to seal this one. Harry Grant, by his standards, was pretty damn quiet. They just found a way to win, though, yeah, and that's all that they had to do in this game. They're out of form at the moment, Melbourne. They're trying to sort their shit out. They're missing... Really key guys, you know, their main front rower, their halfback and their fullback at the moment. Uh, so far from impressive from the Melbourne Storm, but just had to find a way to win it. A couple of shout-outs to Eli Katoa. He was fantastic in this game. Obviously late on the first one, had a hand in the second one as well, I believe. Uh, he was very, very good. Uh, jo- Pizet, wow. Jonah Pizet. I, I, I thought that off the back of that 19s game last year, he was a little bit overrated, to be honest with you. I think people had their expectations a little bit too high. I think I could have been wrong, eh? Watching him the last two weeks, he's been very, very impressive. Uh, obviously, it's games against the Titans. It was a high-scoring affair, and then the Tigers. So, opposition, probably not at the absolute top level, but Pazet can only play who's put in front of him, and he's done very, very well so far. Cam Munster, some really nice touches. The try he scored was one that only Cam Munster can score. Just an absolute freak. Says so much about a guy like Cam Munster when you watch the, de- the defensive line, and they just completely freeze. Um, that only happens to the greatest players uh, at the that have played our game, essentially, and Cam Munster. He's got that effect about him where guys around him just completely freeze. They come to a standstill, and he's able to take advantage of it. Um, look, yeah, Melbourne, far from impressive. Uh, they'll be happy to get that win. You could see Craig Bellman at the end of the game was not happy. Some of his assistants were smiling. He was not. Uh, he was not impressed with the performance in any way, shape, or form. I think if you go to the Melbourne Storm Instagram page, you can see their victory song after the game, and the boys are all celebrating and smiling. You can see you can see Bellamy's not happy. Uh, he's happy to enjoy the moment, enjoy the win, but you can see that he is fucking seething uh, with their performances at the moment. So good teams play shit and win, and the Melbourne Storm did here. As to the West Tigers, um, yeah, I, I, I don't quite know what to say. I'll start with the positives. Johnny Bateman, uh, fucking tremendous. He was everywhere. He's got an injury now. Once again, we're hearing mixed things out of the West Tigers. No fucking idea what's going on with the injury. I do hope Johnny Bateman is okay, though, because I thought he was really good in this game. Uh, obviously, late on the first try for Asu Kapoa, uh, just doing his absolute best work where he bounced across the field. Where the little bit I was watching this game, it looked like he was playing more of a 13 role, which I think is where they need him to be. Um, I or, or, or you can play him on the right edge, but just let him Rome. Let him do his own thing. Don't give him any structure. Just let him do his own fucking thing. I thought he was better without Dewey as well. I think the Dewey at fullback might be better. I think you give him Wakeham uh, and let Jock Bateman control that edge because that's when he plays his best footy, when he can go rogue, he can come under, come back against the grain and play a little bit random footy, which he did to put Kapoa over there. Obviously, he bounced, 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 then found Isaiah Papali'i who, who put him over. So Johnny Bateman, a huge positive to take from this game. We do hope his injury isn't too serious and he's running around next week. As I said, I thought doing it fullback was was pretty good. I, I sort of, if you're going to play Bateman on the right edge, I don't want him and the, I don't want those two together. I think Wakeham, 
I don't think Wakem's a superstar by any means. I don't think he's a guy that I want to rely on for an entire season. Uh, but I definitely think he can come in for you know five to six, eight weeks, whatever it might be, and do a job there. So, and hopefully, you know, Tim Sheens, Benji, they can keep developing him as they go along. Uh, but yeah, look, pretty disappointing from the West Tigers. Their other try was Appy kicking for himself from dummy half. And to be honest with you, uh, it was a pretty shit read by Nick Meaney. I don't think um, Appy would have scored that try against many other footy sides, to be honest with you. So, um, yeah, look, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't want to put the shoe into the West Tigers. They were missing a couple of guys. I understand that. Uh, it's not ideal. I respect them for the decisions they made during the week. Joe Offangawi dropped. Uh, David Nofaluma dropped. Um, I didn't have a problem with those decisions. I thought they were pretty average the last few weeks. So uh, good on the West Tigers. At least they're making changes and they're looking to the future. Uh, you can't hold that against them. But... Yeah, do I see this changing all that much? I, I don't really, to be honest with you. I'm not. I'm not quite sure uh, who the Tigers play next week, uh, but I am very nervous about them. I'll say this too: Asikapoa, who was um, who played center on the weekend, he's played back row in the first few weeks. I really like him there. Eh? I think I'd be playing him on the right, and I'd be playing John Bateman in the thirteen permanently. That's the move I'd be making. Dewey at fullback. I think they can be. Um, successful if they line up like that. Whether they will or not, I've got no fucking idea. Uh, whether they've got centers that they can bring back to replace him, I'm also not sure. Not sure what the go is with Tommy Talao. Uh, oh, my God, they go to Brisbane next weekend. Holy fuck, that could get ugly. Uh, Saturday, 7.35 p.m., Suncorp Stadium, the Broncos taking on the West Tigers. That one could be a tough little watch there. Hopefully the Tigers bounce back and prove me wrong, but I'm a little bit nervous for them going into that one. Speaking of the Broncos, let's get to the last game of Friday. Uh, we've got the Broncos taking on the Dolphins. We're obviously doing the live show at Cairns or at Gilligan's, which was one of the loosest fucking joints I have ever been to. Quite the experience, but it was unreal. Shout out to all of you that came out to uh, Gilligan's for the show and had beers with us after and whatnot. Heaps of people brought us shots and all this sort of shit. It was fucking sensational. I think the drink of choice at Gilligan's was called a kryptonite. And uh, I'll tell you what, me and Maddie, we felt that one at the airport the next day. Good God, that was a tough carry. But a great place, Gilligan's. Sensation VR in Cairns. Make sure you go visit. Uh, I think Peking Duck was on the night before, so quite a downgrade to myself, Timmy and Kempy talking shit. Uh, but yeah, look, I was watching this game there. Got to watch most of it back uh, over the weekend just to make sure I had a good grasp on this game. Um... Reese Walsh, he started sensationally. He sort of put Herbie into a bit of space just by getting outside his man, who managed to put Jesse Arthurs over, which was sensational. Uh, and then we had a, a stalemate for a very long time. And then Walsh, the ball that he threw to Selwyn Cobbo, wow. That ball was fucking tremendous. I know people say Tyson Gambles was the ball of the week, which is probably fair, but gee whiz. Reese Walsh, the way that he's able to flick a ball and the way it glides through the air, very... Very Lockyer-like. Lockyer used to be able to do this. It's yeah, Fuck, it's a skill set. Latrell does the same thing. It's just tremendous. The way they're able to flick it, and it's almost like a floater, but it just goes deadpan through the air. Uh, very, very impressive. It was a great ball. Selwyn Cobbo scored there. Thankfully, the, the the Dolphins. And, you know, keep in mind, there was 25 minutes to go in this game. They were down 8 nil. Uh, against Brisbane, you know, missing their hooker. Sean O'Sullivan uh, was about to leave the field injured and whatnot. Like, uh, sometimes you can learn more about teams from a loss than a win. And I, I personally think that if 
if I'm a Dolphins fan or whatever, I take so much away from this game. I thought they were so fucking resilient in this game. Felice Cafusi wasn't there as well. The guy that, you know, their main forward, I would say he's been the face of the club so far. So tremendous effort. Isaiah Catal wasn't there either. So, you know, they've lost their starting back row, their starting hooker, their starting 5'8", and they lost their starting halfback in championship minutes when they competed more than anyone in that game. So, um, yeah, very, very, very tough for the Dolphins. Jared Wallace crashed over for a media, which was great to see, one of their first signings. And then Hamiso, just his raw speed, he managed to crash over in the 62nd minute. And then Kirk Cable, didn't he stand and deliver? Uh, I said on Instagram, reminded me of Dane Carlaw's great try from, I want to say, the 02 Origin Series. Big fella looking like uh, he's trying to chase down Happy Gilmore's jacket running away to score. Unreal. But Adam Reynolds, the ball playing in that moment. Wow. Um, Branko Lee, we've had him on the podcast, a friend of the show. We absolutely love Branko. Defensively, uh, he has had issues with his game for a very long time. And unfortunately, in this moment, it was one of Branko's worst defensive reads that he's had. Uh, shot up, just absolutely stuck in no man's land. And when you're going to do that to a guy like Adam Reynolds, he will pick you apart every day of the week. And he certainly did in this moment. I love when you see the good halves in our game play through the line where they let guys shoot up. They let guys, they hold on to the ball and tell enough lies with the football that eventually uh, defensive players will make mistakes and then they play through them and he did it perfectly on that one and then of course you got down to the last play of the game essentially now just keep in mind I know a lot of people uh, you know the, the, the Broncos own Brisbane and all that just keep in mind the Dolphins are a new franchise missing all those guys um, and with two minutes left on the clock they were on the attack only two points behind in this game. They were well and truly fucking in it. Uh, Anthony Milford put in a kick. I mean, to be honest with you, it wasn't even that much of a bad kick. I've seen worse kicks, such worse kicks, get forced dropouts. Uh, he tried to sort of curve it in the goals. If anything, he probably put a little bit too much curve into it. Um, Katoni Staggs was able to reach back and grab it, throw a dummy in. Just sometimes that sort of shit happens in rugby league. The ball bounces up. It doesn't curve as it curves too much. And then all of a sudden you're on the counter counter attack and and it was a run to the line and Katoni Staggs obviously won that race. Shout out to Tommy Gilbert, a great chase on him. Uh, Really shows what Tom Gilbert is about and I think what the Dolphins are about as well. So... Brisbane winning one, that one, 18 to 12. As I said, sometimes you can learn a lot more from teams when they lose than when they win. And fuck, I was impressed with the Dolphins the other night. Um, considering at Brisbane, packed out Suncorp Stadium against the Broncos with essentially their entire fully fit squad, minus Corey Oates, I think, uh, compared to the Dolphins, who were without their 5'8", without their hooker, without their best forward. Um, and with a squad that you know not many of us consider to be an all-star squad, they also lose their halfback with 20 minutes to go. Uh, pretty fucking impressive by the Dolphins. Very, very brave stuff. It's got Wayne Bennett written all over it. Uh, I think you can take a lot away from that if you are the Dolphins. I think for the Broncos, I know, you know I've had people mention, we go, fuck, we only just beat the Dolphins. I think it's probably time we start to accept, at least for the first, I don't know, maybe eight weeks of this season, I think the Dolphins are going to be very competitive. I think they are a good footy side. Will they be long-term? I'm not completely convinced just yet. But based on the evidence we have so far, um, I mean, I, I don't think it's a game that if you're a Broncos fan, you look at it and go, fuck, we only won by this much. There was a lot of emotion that went into that game, an absolute heap. Shout out to Mark Nichols. He made one of the great try-saving tackles I've ever fucking seen. Selwyn Cobo jumping over the top of him. He reaches up in the air and punches the ball out of his hand. Incredible. I mean, if they scored that try, which you probably score that nine times out of 10, probably 99 times out of 100, um, I reckon the floodgates could have sort of opened there. So if you're Brisbane fans, I wouldn't be too disheartened by the scoreline. I think you beat a good side in a game with a lot of emotion. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Dolphins fans, I think you should be very proud of your boys and what they're doing at the moment. Very impressive. Despite losing, you never want to lose. I understand that. But fuck, it was a pretty good loss. Pretty uh, pretty brave stuff there from the Dolphins. Very good. Uh, I thought Connolly Lumelu on that on that edge, I think he has to stay there. He was very, very good. Uh, I thought Sean O'Sullivan was strong when he was on the field. Obviously had to leave. Uh, Anthony Milford. A lot of people, you know, giving him shit because of the kick at the end and whatnot. I, I don't know. I, I thought Milf did reasonably well. He obviously missed a fair whack of tackles and whatnot, but I, I thought he held his own there. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens now. Does Isaiah Katoa come in? Is he the halfback? I think he probably will be, uh, which is crazy. I, I wouldn't have thought there was a world where he could be the halfback uh, before the preseason, but Wayne's obviously shown that he trusts him, and I think he's shown that he's worthy of Wayne's trust as well. So I'm expecting Isaiah to take control this team. And I'm really, really excited to see how he goes. Very keen to see how he goes as the seven leading this side around. And, you know, maybe he might be the right guy for Milford. We'll see how it plays out. I'm uh, I'm very keen to see how it, how it all goes. Uh, the Broncos, you know, just some other guys that, you know, stats-wise, as always, very impressive. Paddy Garrigan, 12 runs, 142 metres, 36 tackles. Very impressive. Payne Haas, 32 tackles, uh, three offloads. How many meters did he run for? 157. Very solid once again. Herbie Farmworth, 189 run meters. Uh, obviously, Katoni Stags, 237 run meters. 100 of that came in the last minute when he scored or whatever. But Herbie, 189 run meters, five tackle breaks. Very, very impressive, Herbie Farmworth. Fuck, he's going to be a good signing for the Dolphins. Congratulations on that get for them. Yeah, guys, that will do us for Thursday and Friday. We will review the two games on Saturday a little bit later today, and then we'll round it up with the review of the three games that was on Sunday. I absolutely love the three games on Sunday this week. That was sensational. Uh, thanks for joining us once again, guys. Remember, if you are a Beers and Break Evens fan, we will be re- returning uh, Wednesday, 3 p.m., where we'll review round four. A little bit of talk about Nico, I guess. I bagged him all last week, came out and scored 150. By the time you guys are listening to this, he might have even updated to 160, 170. Fucking God knows. There is a post on my Instagram page, a reel there, where I'm asking you guys to sledge the hell out of me. Timmy's going to pick the best three sledges, uh, and then he's going to jump on Beers and Break Evans with me on Wednesday, reveal his best three sledges. You guys are going to vote for which one should win, and the winner's going to get a Beers and Break Evans Steed and Football and a limited edition Guru Steed and Football, which you will not be able to get anywhere else. So very, very exciting. Uh, a bit to, a bit up for grabs there. I'm going to have to wear that one, take my licks on this one, let you guys get stuck in. That's how it works. If you're going to give it, you got to take it. And we always are here on the Rugby League Guru Podcast. So Wednesday, Biz and Break Evans, we're going to vote on the best sledge for me regarding Nico Hines. And that person's going to come home with an amazing prize pool.